we're in this uh, series, and we've been talking about character, about it being uh, that top gear in our lives. And I, we've kind of set a premise of, of saying that most of us, I think, when we think about character and think about it being that top gear, that we're thinking kind of a minor tune-up in our lives. But when it comes to character, God's thinking major overhaul in, in our lives. So I, I think we kind of come to God and we go, you know, God, I've got this little problem, I've got this little temptation or this minor thing, you know, that my spouse keeps... Uh, telling me about, or my parents keep uh, complaining about, or my kids are really quick to, to point out. And so, no, God, I, I don't want you to mess with my whole life, but I'd like you to do some fine-tuning, you know, just a few areas in my character. You know, God, I'm not always as honest as I ought to be, or don't handle my finances the way I should, or... You know, I've got uh, my thought life's a little bit out there. You know, my priorities, they're creating some tension. But I think what we do, we come to God with an area, maybe two areas, and we just want a tune-up. But I believe God, kind of like a mechanic, looks at our life and he says, you know what, I can't do a tune-up. This engine needs a major overhaul. In fact, if you don't deal with it, it's going to cause some serious damage in your life. And I think that's the New Testament picture of character. It is more like an overhaul than just doing some fine-tuning. You know, we said our, our tendency is that we, we want God to make Damon a better Damon, you know, or make you a, a better you. But God is not interested in that. In fact, Scripture says that God is interested in our character reflecting the image of Jesus Christ, to which most of us, when we look at that, we go, no way, no way. I mean, game, set, match. It is more than I had in mind in my life. In fact, some of you, if you were to give your testimony today, you, you would say something like, you know, when I came to Jesus Christ, I came because I had a need in my life. But as I look back over the last three years, four years, ten years, whatever, God started with that problem in my life. But God's done a lot more. I mean, it's bigger. It's broader than that. I had no idea what God was going to do in my life. I had no idea that God could do what he's done. It started with a little bitty thing. Now it's big. In fact, God's changing me. I mean, many of us would attest to that, wouldn't we? You know, we said uh, character, we gave a definition. Character is the commitment to do what is right as God defines right. Not as I define right, not as society defines right, but as God defines right. Character is a commitment to do what is right regardless of the cost. See, the, the problem, I, I think, for most of us is that we lack the control. We lack the, the willpower sometimes. In certain areas, we're strong. But in the broader scheme of, of our lives, I think we've got a lot of issues and places where, where we just struggle. 
You know, we talked about uh, the importance of us surrendering ourselves to say, I can't, but God can through me, that God can change me. And we talked uh, a lot about our lack of power without God in our lives and the importance of abiding with Jesus Christ, having a relationship with God, that, it, that it's key. And then last week, we focused on Romans 1 and 2, and uh, we, we found out through that that God is constantly working in us, renewing us, specifically renewing our minds. And God's doing that not to make me a better me. No, it's bigger. See, God's constantly working in us to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, I I have said many times through this series that I really came to a conclusion early in my Christian walk that those biblical imperatives that are in Scripture, the do's and the don'ts, the commands from God, that apart from biblical thinking, they always result in very short-term obedience and a lot of frustration. The fact is, I, I could make it a few days, I could make it a week, make it a month or two, but at some point, I found myself going, you know, I should be a better person. I know that I should be a better spouse. I know that I should be a better parent or a better employee or a better boss. You know, I know that I shouldn't think that way. You know, I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't say this or say that. You know, I I shouldn't twist the truth. And, And what I found in my life was a lot of failure. I just failed a lot. And that's why I believe God works on our character, much like a mechanic. God says, you know what, I'm going to renew your mind. Because God knew that by changing our thinking, changing our belief system, that he would have the greatest leverage in changing who we are. That God could transform our character by renewing our minds, and it means major overhaul. And it requires the two steps. We said it is taking off the old and putting on the new. Today what I want to do, and we've been breaking this down into bite-sized pieces, but today what I want to do is focus on the first part of overhauling the engines in our life, overhauling our minds, and I want to tear down the engine, take off the old, okay? We're we're taking off the old way of thinking, the old attitudes, the old mindsets that we have, lies that we have been told since we were children, lies that uh, we've been told by culture, lies that we've bought into, kind of like the guys in the drama. I mean, they were buying into a a bunch of lies. You know, misinformation that maybe the church has communicated through the years, And it's just messed us up. You know, Paul writes, he says, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And I think when you're reading this, you go, that's right. You know, we need to quit doing that stuff. But he goes on, he says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self and its practices. There's the tearing down part. This is going to be the tearing down of the engine. It's taking off the old stuff. 
He says, which is being renewed in what? Knowledge in the image of its creator. Paul says, I cannot live the way that I used to live. Why? Why not? Why can't you live like that, Paul? Paul says, because I'm not the person that I used to be. I'm just not. That's not me anymore. When I became a Christian, God renewed me. You know, my old identity, it was taken off, and I gained a new identity. He says, I can't, I can't cheat anymore. Can't lie. No more slander. No, no more talk. No, none of that stuff. See, he's being renewed with knowledge in his life. If you're a new Christian, you may be listening to this right now, and you go, I don't feel very new. I certainly don't act very new. But friends, if you're a new Christian, your brain hasn't caught up yet. You're a new person, but you're in the process of being overhauled by God, renewed in knowledge. See, it's that shift. Our our beliefs shape us. Your beliefs shape you. Now, they don't control us, but Our beliefs shape us. They shape our attitudes. They shape our actions. What you believe shapes you. Do you agree with that? What you believe about me as a pastor or a person shapes your attitude toward me, right? True? Now, if you were to go talk to my mom, you would have an exceedingly positive attitude about me. What you believe about your spouse, it shapes your attitude and your actions towards your spouse. What you believe about God shapes your action and your behavior toward God. What you believe about work or money or sex or relationships, whatever you believe about a particular area, it shapes your attitude and actions. Are we, are we on the same page here? You agree with that? How many of you have ever had that time in your life, I think we all have, where you thought one thing, and so you acted a certain way? And then you found out what you believed wasn't true. And so after our belief system changed, our actions, actions changed. Some of you grew up believing like really weird stuff about God. You know, some of you grew up and so God was kind of like Santa Claus, you know, or he was your own personal genie. And so that's how you were informed about who God was and it dictated how you acted. Some of you grew up and you thought, well, God's more like a dictator. You know, God can't wait to to punish you, uh, make your life miserable. You didn't know who God was but it determined how you acted with with God. Then you began to search, kind of growing your faith a little bit. And as you learned new things about God, what did it do? Well, your beliefs about God change. And therefore, your attitude toward God changes. And then your behavior and your actions change. Your response to God change. I mean, it just works its way through. And here's the problem. 
when we believe things that aren't true, they negatively impact your attitude, your behaviors, and what have you. You know, just kind of a classic example, uh, mid-1400s, almost everybody thought that the world was what? Flat. (laughs) Modern misconception. I mean, there were a few people like Aristotle early on that said, no, the world's in a sphere. But if you lived during that age and you were a sailor, you believed the world was flat. Your greatest fear was sailing off the edge of the world. And so what you believed, even though it was a lie, wasn't true, it impacted how you sailed. Columbus comes along because of physical theory, observational evidence that that he had. He goes, you know what? I don't believe that the world's flat. I believe it's round. And he believed something different. And it changed his attitude about sailing. And we get a holiday. Mm. Friends, tragically, we live in a society that specializes in marketing misinformation about almost everything, about God, about sex, about money, about relationships, about marriage, about parenting. You just go down through the line. Misinformation. I mean, some of the misinformation that we buy into was passed down by by parents, well-meaning parents, but it was passed down and it was bad information. Misinformation that, that shapes our belief system. Misinformation that we use to draw conclusions, to make decisions. A lot of the stuff is just not true. And here's the problem. When you become a Christian... None of those ideas go away. When when you become a Christian, you become a new creation in Jesus Christ. You've been given this new identity. But your mind is not automatically renewed. It's not automatically renewed. It is still full of corrupt data. It is. You know, when you become a Christian, you're still trying to operate with some misinformation. And if the belief system that you're operating with is not true, friends, you cannot operate with top gear character in your life. And so that's why God doesn't say, hey, let's just do a little tune-up here. And that's why God doesn't say, well, do this, don't do that. Because it doesn't work. We just can't see it through. But God decides, you know what, I'm going to deal fundamentally with your belief system. And so God starts this overhaul in our lives so that he he can find the stuff in our life that needs to be replaced. You know, all the incorrect things that that we believe. You know, those patterns that that we've been taught. Those silly cliches or sayings that, that we bought into at some point in our lives, all those things that have become part of our belief system. And God says, you know what? We need to look at those things, and we need to replace them. 
And we need to replace that misinformation with, with truth. The overhaul, if it's going to be successful, you got to tear the engine down. You got to find all those faulty parts, that, that misinformation, those, those lies that we accept as truth. And I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm saying here. We are not transformed by simply praying prayers, reading our Bibles, and singing Christian songs. And I don't want you to misunderstand me. I mean, those things are important. We should do them. We should be dedicated to doing them. But we are not transformed by simply doing them. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds which happens because we are worshiping and we are praying and we are meditating and reading and studying our Bibles and we're, we're getting stuff in and out. Off with the old. That's where the teardown, the disassembly happens. Off with the old and on with the what? New. It's where we rebuild the motor in our life. So what if you were to tear down the engine in your life? I mean, what kind of fractured pieces would you find? What kind of broken parts might you find if you started going through that engine of your life? Well, some of you, you would find a, what I would call a bad starter. I mean, a faulty starter. I, I think it's real easy to diagnose a faulty starter in a person's life because it sounds something like this. As soon as I accomplish X, I'll start having peace. As soon as I have that, I'll be able to stop doing this. As soon as I accumulate X amount of money, uh, it'll be enough. I'll start being content. Do you see the start there? Some of you, your engine's running. It's running really well. And you're running hard, but friends, the starter's broke. And what happens is, as soon as, it's a lie. In fact, you will find, if you're operating with some of those lies, that you're starting all the time. You think, I'm going to get there one of these days, and you never get there because you always feel like you're starting, you always feel like you're behind. Because it's a lie. You will never find peace with that, if I get this, then I'll have peace. You know, you will never overcome whatever it is you think you need to overcome if you're waiting on someday, you know, as soon as this happens, then I'll be able to do that. You will never accumulate enough. You will never know contentment. Because why? The starter's broke. It's bad information. It's a lie. A lot of people get tripped up there. You know, you might find a a bad cylinder head. I mean, how do you know if cylinder head's an issue? you will have very low compression in your life. It sounds something like this. I'll never amount to anything. I don't deserve anything. You know, I can't, I can't change. I, I, I can't help myself. It is a lie. It's a lie. It's a bad cylinder, and it's in your head, and it's causing a lot of damage. You know, it determines your your attitude. It is core to performance. 
I mean, you can love God, you can sing the songs, you can read the Christian books, but if you are operating with a lie, I'll never amount to anything. I can't change. Bad cylinder. And it is going to be a really rough ride through life. That's why God doesn't say, hey, act better. But God says, you know what? I want to renew your mind. I want to renew your thinking. Might be a bad distributor. There's issues with that. In fact, I believe a lot of women in our society are bombarded with a message every day that, you know, you must look a certain way to be desirable, to be lovable. A lot of lies that are distributed by magazines, billboards, commercials, TV. You know, you must weigh 115 pounds, have a great figure, perfect complexion, dress like this if you want to be noticed, if you want to be desirable. And those lies are being distributed by culture. And friends, I believe those lies, they they leave a lot of women just reeling in life, and especially young girls. The distributor is faulty. It's creating havoc. You see it all the time in our society. I mean, maybe it's a a rocker arm issue. You know, this messes up a lot of men and an increasing number of women in our society today. Accomplishment equals success. It is a lie. It rocks people's lives. You know, people sacrifice their health, their families, their marriage, their children, their integrity. You know, if I could just accomplish this, if I could just get this, I'll be a rock star. And I'll be happy finally. Friends, you hear that so many times in our culture that we start believing it's true. It sounds ridiculous. Some of you are sitting there right now, you're going, oh, pff, that's silly. But we, we've been sold a bill of goods, and we operate with this one, but it's a lie. So, so how do you tear down the engine? How do you find those faulty parts? Because we all have them. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I've got faulty parts. The lies that we believe, the uh, lies that we are operating with, a lot of faulty stuff. And I'm going to sound a little bit like Psychology 101 this morning. I know that. But until you and I are willing to tear down the motor in our lives, until we are willing to identify the lies, the lies that, that drive our attitudes, the lies, lies that uh, fuel our, our behaviors, until we're willing to tear it down and rebuild it, we cannot make progress in our lives. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to identify the excuses that we tell ourselves, that we rationalize our behavior with. You know, that thing when you go, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway because, and I'm going to give you some examples of these. There, there's some that I've used, I'm going to guess, uh, maybe some of you have too. You've used these excuses, but here, here's one. I wasn't the only one. Ever use that? Come on. 
This one, there, there are all kinds of lies attached to this one. You know, I wasn't the only one. Everybody's doing it. And this lie is so sly because it really implies that if a lot of people are doing it, there's no consequence. God doesn't really take it serious. Oh, there's a lot of people doing it. Okay, got it. If the majority believe it's okay, then it's okay. I don't think we really believe that. But I think a lot of us operate that way. And friends, it's, re- it's really destructive. Really destructive. How about this one? I don't see any harm in it. I don't see any harm in it. I don't see any harm in going there. I don't see any harm in doing this or doing that. I don't see any harm in, in hanging out with them. Do you catch the lie in this one? If you can't see the harm, it doesn't exist. And honestly, we're kind of confusing ourselves with God at that point. It's kind of like we go around and go, well, I know everything. And since I don't see harm, there must not be any harm in it. And friends, I've seen a lot of people wreck their lives, wreck their reputations, operating with that faulty premise. I know what the Bible says, but I don't see any harm in it. How about this one? I'll just try it once. Ever told yourself that? I mean, can you identify the lie in that? If I just sin one time, there's no consequence. Do we really believe that? Do we? How about this one? Nobody is going to know. Nobody will find out. And the lie behind that is, if you don't get caught, then no harm, no foul. If you don't get caught, it's not wrong. If nobody knows, it's okay. Again, do we really believe that? One more. But I love him. I love her. I know what the Bible says. I know, but I love him. I love her. And somehow, love takes precedence over obedience. Friends, it's a lie. I hear it all the time. I hear it from singles and adults and teens. I hear it all the time. I know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says about sex. I I know that we're not married, but I love him. I love her, so it's okay. Or how about this one? I'm in love with them, so I'm leaving my wife, or I'm leaving my husband. And I'm I'm just going to say it. Love isn't reason enough. It just isn't. How about this one? I don't listen to the words. Or, it's very much like it, I don't look at the pictures, I read the articles. (laughs) Whatever. Do you know what the lie is there? That you can hear something or see something over and over, 
and it will not affect you. If I were to ask you, without a context, do you believe that you can hear something over and over or see something over and over, and it will have zero effect on you, I think most of you would go, well, that's just stupid. Sure, it's going to have some effect. See, it's a lie. It's an incredibly self-destructive lie. When you begin to justify your behavior, whatever it is, I want to challenge you to pay attention and just ask yourself, what am I telling myself? In other words, figure out why you're willing to go down that path, whatever it is, because oftentimes you're following a lie. You're operating. It's being supported by a lie. So when you start exposing the lie, when you you start finding that out, you you will find that as you identify that, you will not believe how like temptation, how your attitude, how your behaviors, those things that have bound you up in the past, all of a sudden they lose their grip on you. Because once the, the lie is exposed... I mean, this is a powerful principle. That's why Jesus made the statement. In John 8, 32, he says, but you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Hmm. Well, I thought it was, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to try harder. I'll make myself free. I will break free finally. It doesn't work. You've got to tear down the engine. You've got to find the faulty part. You've got to find that lie that you're buying, that you believe in, that, that thing that is just wrong. And you've got to replace the lie with God's truth. Because why? Because truth is what sets you free in life. You know, the first step in, in tearing down the engine is you have to listen to the things that you're telling yourself those excuses, those things that you know aren't right, those things that you feel guilty about sometimes. You've you've got to look at those things that, honestly, the excuse or whatever reason you give, you would not accept from anybody else that you accept it for yourself. And you just got to take that stuff on. Here's the second thing. When you tear down that engine in your life, you have to especially look for the parts in your life where you tend to wear down, where you tend to be susceptible to to temptation. We've all got stuff. It's different stuff, but we've all got it. And what happens most of the time behind that temptation or that weakness in our life, there's a lie. There's a lie, something that we are believing that isn't true something that we're believing about ourselves or our situation, that that thing that keeps breaking you down and taking you down in life. I mean, you've gone through that, that where you battle, you go, I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't. Help me, Lord, please help me get through this. And, and we get tripped up and over and over. And when you get tripped up, you're like, where are you, God? Why won't you set me free? And the truth is, God wants to set you free. But not just with willpower. I mean, God will give you the strength. 
But God wants to do it by exposing the lies that we're believing that are supporting the behavior that needs to go. Just as truth sets you free, lies enslave you. You know, I was thinking about some of the lies that that we tell ourselves that uh, kind of uh, prey on this weakness in our life and that area where we wear down in life. And I've watched uh, people struggle to manage money. And what happens is they, they see their neighbor. Their neighbor gets something, gets this or that. What happens? Start listening to a lie. Well, I work hard. I work hard for my money. I deserve nice things. What you mean is I deserve that, what they've got. And off to the races we go. You know, along those same lines, I'll, I'll watch someone that, trying to get a handle on finances. And they start working on it. And they're doing a pretty good job. And they're getting some of the debt paid down. And they're not overspending. And then along comes the lie. I've been managing my money really well lately. I'm going to treat myself. I deserve it. And off to the races we go again. You know, on and on and on. They're just off immediately, gone. Now, how about, um, how about this one? I work hard. I deserve a night out. I work hard. I'm going to play hard. So I tie one on. I mean, it's not a deal. I- I've earned it. It's a lie. Now, I mean, what's the lie? Well, the lie is if you work hard... You can go wild. And I have seen that one wreck a lot of people's lives through the years. A lot of people. How about this one? I work hard. Company doesn't appreciate me. I am underpaid. And and so I I pad the expense account sometimes. I take a little. I'm just making things right. Do you hear the lie in that? It's okay to steal if you feel underpaid or unappreciated. Really? I would challenge you to find that part in your life, that part where you tend to wear down, that part where you struggle with temptation, and just go to God and just pray and just say, you know, Lord, I'm believing something. I I need your help to figure out what it is that I'm believing that just isn't true. Maybe it's something I was told when I was a child. I I don't know. Maybe I've allowed culture to influence me. But God, whatever it is, I'm allowing myself to believe something that just isn't true. I'm believing something that's fueling this temptation this is part of my life where I keep getting wore down. You know, God, what, what is it? Here's the deal. I believe if you truly seek God and wrestle with whatever it is, that God will help you discover what it is that you believe that isn't true. Maybe it's something you've believed for a long time, you know, about yourself or about life or about sin or sex or love or marriage or money or business. But there are things 
that we believe that just aren't true. And when you tear that engine down, you find that faulty part or parts, those lies, you get rid of them. And when you get rid of them, it loses that power in your life. The fact is that it loses a grip on your life because behaviors and attitudes are fueled by what we believe, and if we believe something that isn't true, see, that's why we continue to hurt ourselves, to harm ourselves, to mess up that that stuff that in your heart of hearts you, you know you shouldn't do, but you keep getting tripped up. It's because you gotta get rid of the lies. That's why God says, you know what, I gotta do an overhaul. I gotta renew your mind. You know, God wants to take off the old. He wants to tear that engine down, find the lies, help you see the misconceptions. See, God wants to put on the new, rebuild the engine in our life. You know, Proverbs 30, verse 8, it says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. That's a great prayer. God, keep falsehoods and lies far from me. I do not want to ingest. I do not want to digest. I do not want to take any more garbage in. I want you, God, to to find those things that aren't true, that I'm believing, and help me get a handle on it. I want you to renew my mind. I want you to tear down that, that old engine of mine and rebuild it. Take off the old, put on the new, And here's my challenge to you for this week. is to just ask God to show you where the faulty part is or parts. And just start identifying the lies because they are fueling you. They fuel your behavior. They fuel your attitude. And I believe when you start going, you know what? I think this is flawed thinking. And then you start replacing it with truth, God's truth. You end up with something new here, something amazing. You know, and we're going to talk about that next week. You know, first step, got to figure out what the lies are. We We all have stuff. Then we start that renewal, you know, complete overhaul, complete overhaul. It's how you change it's God's way of transforming you and I so that we can have that top gear character in life. Let, let, let's stand for, for a word of prayer. Our holy God, we um, renew us. God, I know every one of us, there's there's lies, misinformation, stuff that uh, we believe that's just not so. God, whatever it is, I um, pray you would just uh, point it out to us. Put a neon sign there if you need to. Challenge us, Lord. This world is full of a lot of just messed up information. 
God, I pray that your Holy Spirit that would just speak to us, that you'd speak to us through your words, through those quiet times that we have, whatever, but that we would come to know just some of the areas we, we need to address. God, I pray that... Um, All of us would just be willing to open up that hood and allow you to uh, to work to disassemble whatever needs to happen. God, we lay our lives before you. Pray that all we say and do would be pleasing in your sight. And God's people said, "Let's worship together."